0: It has been a long time since we did uh, our last podcast, and I apologize for that. Um, I feel a bit naked at this point. Uh, I do not have my sidekick with me. Steph is not here uh, to record this one. That's not to say that she's not going to be a part of these uh, going forward. In fact, she'll have to be if we want to keep having followers. I do have our intern, Ben, and Ben has been a huge help to us so far this summer He's helping us out with a ton of marketing stuff. Um, he, we, I, he pinned me down and said, we have to do a podcast, so we're going to do it. So Ben's in, on board with me here. Um, we are going to jump into it. We're going to go back kind of on our original format of the podcast. We started out with kind of building them off of some Facebook and some Instagram messages that we had gotten um, we are going to maintain our, our length or duration, or at least I'm going to shoot for it without Steph. It might get a little long, but, um, we're going to try to keep these as, you know, relatively short. It's a, a, a great platform for me to be able to talk on specific items, um, where if I'm, if I'm in a setting where it doesn't keep me on track like this, I tend to go in a lot of directions and it seems to get long. So. I am going to pick, actually, I've got, uh, it's a Facebook question, that came as a direct message. Um, This guy, he had sent me a couple messages, actually, and one of them was, I think it was regarding puppy DVDs, which um, he wanted to know about our puppy DVD. We used to have a foundation DVD uh, that we called Foundation. It was two and a half hours long. It covered a lot of of the early on stuff. Um, Since then, we have... We no longer offer that DVD, so if you have it, uh, save it for the museum. But we have we have taken that and expanded it, and I now have um, a puppy DVD, which is like it's it's just that it's puppy stuff, and that is about three hours long. Um, It's the stuff we covered in the Foundation DVD, Magnified. And then we also have a Foundation DVD, which is one of the most important parts of training, I think. And that is not available yet. That is still pre-order. I have all the final cuts, so I'm editing that right now. But his original question here was talking about the Foundation DVD. And so his one says, I can't find the Puppy Training DVD anymore on your website. Is it still available? It is no longer available, that one. But the new Puppy DVD is available. So that's live. Um, Foundation is coming. Um, His second part of his question was, uh, well, he had three questions. His second part of his question was, he says, this could be a possible podcast question. Uh, How do I introduce my dogs to shooting? um, Gunfire. And so I am a little late with this. I probably should have done this one about a week ago, prior to the 4th of July. And we'll touch on that. And then his third one is, when are you going to do your next podcast? So um, we're working on that right now for you. So, Let's get to the, the shooting question, um, the gunfire question. I think it can be talked about in, it, it doesn't have to be guns. It can be any type of loud noises. It can be a vacuum cleaner. Um, it can be, there's so many things that can create issues with our pups. Um, they typically will start early. Uh, the issue is formed early. And then it's something that you deal with or you try to reverse Um for however long that is, the course of the uh, lifetime of the dog at times. So what I think, so getting down to it, the reason I say we should have talked about it about a week ago is because I think a lot of people assume that dogs become, I think, well, there's a couple assumptions out there. I think there's an assumption out there that dogs can be born gun shy. They're not. There's there's no such thing. You're not going to have a dog that's born gun shy. They're created. Um, Gun shyness is something that I don't think it's necessarily guns. It has to do with the idea of loud noises. Um, you connect something whenever we're training a dog, whether we want to, whether we want it to be a positive thing or in this case, it's a negative thing. The dog responds to stuff. And if they respond to it positive or negative gun shyness or, or other types of that, that, that negative reaction to loud noises is created by us. Um, when you want to introduce a dog to something that you intend on them liking, it needs to be done in a way that creates a positive outcome. Um, it has to be connected to something positive. If you want them to not like something, you connect it to something negative. So that that's easy and it's real broad and real general. But when it comes to specifically gun guns or loud noises, I said they're not born gun shy; they're created, and that's intention it's in it's not intentional typically it's usually unintentional and it's really created by us not thinking things through like fourth of july creates more gun shy dogs than than any 12 gauge shotgun ever will and i think a lot of people assume that the gun shyness they relate back to well when did someone shoot over it when did you know when were you guys when did you you took it to hunting too too early or you took it to with you and you shot sporting clays or Whatever it is, it's usually not. It's usually in situations where you don't even realize that the gun shyness potentially was happening or, or formed at that point. I remember I talked to the guy at a show once who had a dog that was gun shy and it was this big debate on how do we fix it. And can you fix it? I think you can. Uh, I think you can change just about anything behavioral wise with a dog. Um, I think it takes a lot of time. Uh, some things take a lot more time than others, but th- so this guy had a dog that was gun shy. Um, we were discussing whether or not he could reverse that. Uh, he wanted to hunt with the dog and, and wanted to figure out how do I get this fixed? And so I always am a, uh, of the mindset in order to fix something, I try to figure out what the hell happened to create the issue, good or bad. And so if things go well, why did it go good? That's the way my mind works. If things didn't go well, how come? And then how do you adjust or, or, or change in the future to get what you want, manipulate the situation the way you want it to? So I said to him, well, what happened? Do you know what happened? No, nope, I, I have no idea. You know, I, I it, it, it just dogs never, he's always reacted in a negative way to the gunfire. So I don't know that it was gunfire that did it. And so we started talking to him about it. And it sounded like, to me, I think, you know, he kind of shared this story with me and it sounded like, but I don't know that you did anything wrong with the gun. Like he, he introduced it similar to how I think I would have, it just never took to it. And so when we broke it down and we started to try to figure this out, you know, fireworks are oftentimes the culprit. And so I I saw a million things out there, uh, especially on social media regarding fireworks and how it You know, dogs hiding and freaking my dogs out, and what can we all do? The fireworks on the same nights to save our dogs and all this stuff. Well, I think fireworks create a lot of issues because you just don't know when they're going to go off if you're not lighting them. So that can be part of it. Well, it wasn't fireworks. This guy said no. I'm sure it wasn't that. Well, what ended up happening was I really believe he bought he had this pup and it was a spring pup, summertime, early summertime pup. And they were building a house when they got it. New house, new dog. So they were building the house and they had this pup and they put it in the garage and they kept it cool and it was in its crate or kennel and it was safe and everything was good. But you didn't think about, you know, the idea of nail guns. Well, he's got, he's got guys on the roof shooting nail guns or, or putting sheeting up with nail guns. And I, he, I think we kind of got down to the idea of, you know what, well, you built that house you probably created a pretty hostile environment for that little puppy connecting to a lot of noises that the dog just wasn't comfortable with. So probably where it came from. Now, most people don't think of forming those types of habits in that type of scenario. So that's where I think you got to always be when you get these young dogs. You have to always be in the mindset of, what are the unintended circumstances of everything I do? And what are the intended circumstances of everything I do? And act appropriately or accordingly. So how do I actually... So there's some things to avoid. That's clear. We got we to avoid these situations where we don't necessarily have the control of the situation. And it can be scary. It's scary for a dog to be in certain spots and start hearing these, these, these noises. Loud noises in particular. So... How do you avoid it? So, what I do is first off, I'm 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 real sure to be careful up to the point when I'm gonna to start to introduce a dog to loud noises. Now, what happens if it doesn't? What happens if that, you know, if you don't have the opportunity, something happens where there's a loud noise? Well, I've seen this before, and I watch a lot of kids' sports because my son plays basketball and I watch a lot of sports, and our daughter plays soccer, and I get a lot of this opportunity to seek parents and how they handle kids. And so when there's an injury, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. When there's a kid that has an injury, something happens. If the parent comes flying off the sideline, like the kid may have tripped, right? Falls down. Parent comes flying off the sidelines in onto the floor to, you know, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. I think sometimes that scares the kid into thinking they're hurt. I think they panic. Oh, my God. Mom came running out of here. Dad came running out here. Something must be wrong. And I think it scares them. I watched this the other week. I saw this girl get kicked so hard. I mean, she got kicked. It hurt me watching. And she, like, I think it startled her. I think she went, oh. And then she kept playing. And nobody reacted. Nobody freaked out. Nobody. And I think it hurt probably. But I don't think it was to the point where she was like, missed a beat. And I think that... <laughs> Her parents handled it, I think, pretty well. Uh, they didn't freak out. They didn't panic. Um, now, I'm not saying if you're, you know, bone sticking out, you shouldn't go help them out. You should. But at the same time, with these pups, I think sometimes something drops, somebody drops a pan in the kitchen and I'm in the mudroom. There's a loud noise that startles my little pup and my pup comes to attention. And if I get down and freak out and act like something major happened and, oh my gosh, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, I think the dog may be startled to the idea of, you know, every time there's a loud noise, I get this little loving, I get this. So I think it's a fine line of don't, when when something bad happens, reassure them. It's okay. You're good. You're good. But also, so show them that you care, but you don't have to coddle the hell out of them. You can't just act like the world's coming to an end. Then learn from it and try to figure out how to avoid it in the future. So I think that's part of it. But then the other part of it is when we actually do introduce them, I really like to... Um, I start at a great distance. I'm a big believer in the idea of I incremental training is something I talk about a lot. I think this is another example of incremental training. I think you're going to start out at A and you're going to end at Z. And you don't go A to Z. You go A to B, B to C, C to D, D. You go on and on and on and on. There's all these steps. So the way I like to start out is I'll have, and my son usually does it with me, at a distance, and I, and I should talk about age on it too. I'm not doing this with four-month-old pups. I'm not doing this with 16, 20, 24. Um, I, I, most of the dogs that I introduce to gunfire are probably 10 months or older, 10 to 12 months minimum. Sometimes it's older than that because I just don't get to it as any sooner. I'm not in a rush to do it. This is one of those things that there is no reason to rush it. Can you do it earlier? Probably. But what, what am I gaining? I'm not going to hunt the dog until they're over a year old anyway. So I don't know that I have to rush to get into this. So, but I start at a, a great distance. I have my son. He'll take a 410. Um, I know a lot of guys use like a, a starter pistol. Like a, um, it's, I think they're like blank 22s. But um, I don't like 22s. I think they have a pretty solid crack. I think they have a lot different sound than a shotgun. So like a 410 is a, a little bit more subtle, a little softer. I take a really small gun, cap, cap gun might even be the the answer, but something that's small. I like I have a little single shot 410. We use that, and I'll have my son 150 yards away from me. I mean, quite a ways. He can see me. We're in a field, and he can see me. My dog would, at that point is already retrieving. We're doing good heel work. We're doing like this isn't something I introduce early on in the training process. This is something that is going to be added in quite a ways down the road. So we may be doing a drill of some sort. I usually like to have bumpers involved. I like my dogs usually connect retrieves to something pretty positive. So I'm going to get a situation where I might be setting up a simple trailing memory. I might be setting up a a real something very, very not intense, not requiring a whole lot of thinking from this dog. And I'm going to have it where they really like it, the, the activity that we're doing. And then I'm gonna have my son at a pretty good distance, and I may be working with the dog, and the dog might be off, even might be on lead, might be off lead. It, I'm not saying there's one way to do it or, or or the other, but he may be on lead, he may be off lead, and if I have any question or doubt, going man, I don't know, I don't know if they're ready for this. Well, then they're not. Like I'm I'm gonna be sure that the dog is pretty confident, pretty bold, has has the that that feeling of yeah, you're ready for, you're ready to do this so we're going to make some little retrieves i like making little retrieve with it and when i'm about to throw it or just through it i'll have my son facing away from me like he's aiming the complete opposite direction and he'll watch and when i throw the bumper he might pull he might pull the trigger on a on a 410 boom at a distance so it's not really even that loud dogs probably heard things louder than that before and been okay with it so if there's any reaction that's where my You know, soccer dad comes in and goes. You're fine. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Good boy. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. They pick up that because they flash back. I just did that, and I had a dog lift its head up really quick off the bed because of my tone, going, go get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And all of a sudden, boom. She's she connects right back to that thing that we've been doing for the last four or five months, where when I change that tone and I get this retrieve going, it's a lot of excitement. So that that boom that was at a distance was followed up real quickly with me going that's good that's good Come, on, come, on, come on. boom and their their whole spirits go up 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 and th- as quick as that happens and they've got a retrieve on their plate they've already forgotten about that sound like first off it wasn't strong to begin with and second off it's gone real quickly because it's replaced with what something really positive so then everything goes well i'm gonna set this up again and i'm gonna have them come 20 yards closer and so if it doesn't go well boy I probably shouldn't have been doing this in the first place. Have him I, I take a, that's it. We're not going to do it again. We might try it in another week or so. And he's going to be 250 yards. So that it's like, I can't even hear him when it starts out. And we'll slowly creep in. But if you've done a good job up to this point in creating positive things around any type of noise, of noise situation, you're not going to have an issue. So when you get to that point, you slowly, incrementally move them in a little bit closer. So I might get them in to have them move in 20 yards. We'll reset it. He'll do the exact same thing. Reset it, do the exact same thing. Reset it, do the exact same thing. And get to the point where pretty soon this, it's this timing thing where when I do that hunt command with these puppies, and if you've ever followed any of our stuff, we talk about hunt commands. It's in our videos and all that stuff. We, we use them quite a bit. It's connecting. It's like Pavlov. It's classic conditioning. And I'm simply connecting something activity-wise to something audible. So I use the, the, a certain word at a certain tone, and it just flips this flips this trigger in this dog, and it's always positive. We use the word find it, find it in a high-pitched tone, repeat it over and over and over again at a certain cadence. Can't help my dogs can't help but use their nose to find something because they've connected it to treats early on and the retrieves later down the road. So this is me saying those words in that tone, except it's a loud boom. And it's followed up with what? Lots of retrieve, lots of good things. Now, it doesn't mean break. I don't want dogs breaking. So I don't want, I don't want dogs to hear a shot and think, I go get retrieve. It goes back to the understanding of control and steadiness with our retrieves. I'm just adding an element in ahead of time which is this loud boom, marks this idea of now comes a retrieve, I have to be steady, he goes through, he lines me up, he sends me. It's the same routine that we've done. It's just we've added one thing to the beginning and it's a loud noise. It's almost like it's the start. It's the start of this positive thing. And so I'm just going to slowly work my son in closer and closer and closer. And I'm not going to take it all in one chunk. I'm not going to go 150, 130, 175, 50, 25, and then I'm shooting in one session. I might stretch this out over a week. I might stretch it out over two weeks. I might stretch it out over three or four nights. Just depends on how the dog responds. Most of the time, I'll be honest with you, most of the time when I introduce gunfire, I see such little reaction to it. It's almost immeasurable. Like I very rarely see a dog react and it's because we start so faint and so distant and we come in so slowly. And so uh, they don't have a lot of negative in the, back, in the back of their minds anyway. I think another good way that you can do this is I think you can go without retrieves. Like my dogs like walks. My dogs like walks a lot. We take walks regularly. We, we go under control. I don't just free run them. But we take walks. I think this time of year... If you live anywhere that there's a sporting, like sporting clays and or trap club, trap club is probably better because you know where these shooters are. They're all stationary and, you know, these trap houses and all this stuff is all set up. And if you start two miles away, you might, I don't know how far you can hear them, but you can hear at a distance, this boom, 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 you know, it depends on how many people are shooting at one time, but there's constant firing going on for 25, 30 minutes in a row, and then it might be quiet, and then there's another shooting. So I think a nice way of, if my dogs really like walks, if I felt a need to do it and it was convenient, which is not for me because I don't have a trap club real close, but if it was convenient, I'd go however far away I need to be to just start to hear it myself. And then I may start taking walks, and most I don't know where you guys are from but a lot of places are gridded out where the roads are gridded out and you can start two miles away and you can take a road that starts coming towards the trap club and it might be in half mile increments or one mile increments or quarter mile increments whatever it is and you might get to a point where you're coming closer and closer and closer and you watch the dog and as soon as the dog i mean there's a lot of shooting going on and it's pretty constant and as you get a little bit closer it slowly gets a little bit louder I think you gauge how close do you want to be and then you take a side road and you walk parallel to it. You don't get any closer and then you might loop circle back and you end up back at your truck and you, you went so close and then you went away and then you went so close and then you went away. And I think you slowly add the ability to get a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. It's just another way of exposing to a pretty steady amount of noises um, gradually, and you got a lot of control over it because the shooting's in one spot, and you get closer or go away accordingly. So that's another way you can do it. I do think that I'm not against the idea. And I don't want to go bang pots and pans around a litter of puppies, but I like the idea of kennels. When, and I've seen this. Um, Robert Milner does this. He's a real good trainer breeder um, down in Tennessee. I've been to his place. He has I don't know what they are. They're like CO2 cannons or something and he's got them where they're set on this automatic where they they build up pressure they build up pressure and then they boom they pop and they're at a distance from his buildings that he's that he's raising these whelping these pups in and that is constant it's ongoing around his kennel it's not in the kennel it's at a distance but it's pretty loud booms it's pretty i mean you can feel them so those dogs at his place are exposed to it throughout the day, pretty randomly. I think that's a, I think that's good. I mean, he's training some dogs for, I think his explanation to me was it's more for, um, training the, the bomb dogs, the drug, the, you know, the canine type dogs and its exposure to these loud noises. So he uses that. Um, it's, it's a way of introducing early on to these young dogs and conditioning in some things that they're going to experience in a positive way because it's, it's from day one and it's not it's not freaking them out by any means, but they're getting used to it. So I don't want to put raise these things in a, in an eggshell. I don't want them to be uh, treated as if you know they, they're in glass. I, I don't mind exposing them as long as it's under control. And when it does happen and it's not planned, you act accordingly. So that's yeah. that's how I do it. I know there's a lot of ways of doing it. Um, I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. I'm saying this is a way that I've done it a lot, and it's worked very well. So that's it, Ben. Boy, you you probably need a drink to lots of talking. a lot of talk. You see, yeah. so Steph goes away and Jeremy really rambles. But um, that's it. We're we've got another. That's another uh, episode for us. We've got several others lined up. I do thank you for your patience. I thank you for listening to these things. Um, we've got, man, we've got a lot of projects going. And, and uh, some really exciting ones, Mighty Pet, Project Mighty Pet. I just started posting a little bit more about it on social media. If you're not following us on social, it's probably the best way to get the most of information, uh, most amount of information, and the price is right on it. So uh, YouTube uh, Instagram, Facebook. We use all three of them. We use them a little bit differently at Hunter for all of them, right? Yep. And uh, we are going to be starting a new project called Project Mighty Pet. Um, well, we've done it now for quite some time. I'll probably talk about it on another podcast, but uh, I really recommend kind of following along with it. If you liked Live with Spry, if you listen to Live with Spry, this is just, it's not Live with Spry. It's totally different, um, but it's kind of got the same feel of, it's a series Uh, we're actually going to kind of use it as a vlog. It's pretty fancy, I know, but uh, video blog. And so we've recorded things for a while, not knowing what we're going to do with them. And it's becoming clearer now what we're going to do with them, or at least try to do with them. So uh, that's something that's in the works. It's taken some time, and we're working on that. We've got other projects that I, I will hold back on announcing at this point, because... Um they're just they're just in their infancy, but uh lots of stuff going on. And so thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would do me the favor, um, if you enjoy these, please do me a favor, and I know a lot of you have already and I appreciate that greatly, is leaving a review. Um, whichever platform you're listening to it, whether it be Apple or Android or whatever it is, if you can rank it or rate it or whatever, it put stars and if you like it, I'd really ask that you do it. If you don't like it, man, you don't have to rate it, but um, we really appreciate all of your support and we will continue to pump these things out. So that's it. best of luck training to you guys and we'll we'll talk to you on the next one.